Hi, my name is Andrew Bolton, and this is the Pros and Content Podcast. I'm the Chief Client Officer here at Notch, and on the Pros and Content Podcast, we'll be featuring a series of truly remarkable content leaders who believe in storytelling and who have different perspectives on the importance of measurement, scalability, and the optimization of content. Today on Pros and Content, we're proud to be joined by Tony Wells, the Chief Brand Officer of USAA, a financial insurance company dedicated to servicing military members and families. That mission drives everything USAA touches, and as a Marine, impassions the work Tony accomplishes every day. Tony leads a number of initiatives, including marketing, corporate communications, military affairs, and corporate responsibility. He talks to us about how having such a specific member base with unique experiences pushes him and his employees to maintain a high level of customer service, provide the right information through the right channels, and carry out every job with empathy. They don't need to maximize profit for shareholders. They just need to do right by their members. And he does with impact, intent, and grace. We hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pros and Content Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Andrew Bolton, and today we're talking with Tony Wells, who is the Chief Brand Officer at USAA. Uh, Tony is a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy, a Marine, uh, has held several marketing and communication leadership roles uh, across industries, and now leads marketing, corporate communications, military affairs, and corporate uh, responsibility initiatives at USAA. Um, so welcome to the show, Tony. Thanks, Andrew. It's uh, uh, great to be with you here today. Yeah, likewise. Um, now, uh, first question uh, is more of maybe uh, a chance to give you some back or for you to give some background to the listeners about USAA. I'm sure many have heard of the brand, um, encountered it in their lives. Um, but not all may know about the values of the brand and the mission of the brand, which I think are, are really important in this case. Can you just give a little bit of background on USA um, and, and, and what the brand stands for? Yeah, so uh, we were started in 1922 by uh, some Army officers that were having a hard time getting their vehicles insured because they were perceived to be a higher risk. And uh, in that 100 years, we've gone to, uh, from uh, automotive to property and casualty, uh, life insurance, banking, uh, annuity products, so for uh, retirement income. And so it's um, 13 million members that we serve. And in order to be a member, you either have had to have served or be a family member. And so it's a very, very unique uh, community. We think we have some of the best customers in the world because of the unique characteristics of the military community. And um, I would say as we get ready to enter our 100th year, uh, we're super excited and passionate about, uh, again, serving uh, the military community. That's fantastic. Um, and I, I told you when we were, we were prepping for this call that I've been a member um, of USAA since I turned 16, basically got my driver's license. Uh, you know, my father served. And so I had that, that ability to join. Um, and my experience uh, with USAA throughout the years has been nothing but top notch. And I think that really comes from the way that you work with your members and your 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 employees are trained to engage with them. Talk a little bit about that and how you work with your employees to really maintain that like top notch customer service. Yeah, I know. You know, recently there's been a lot of talk about brands with a purpose, mm-hmm. and uh, I would just say that's rooted in who we are. Um, it's not something that's up on the wall or in the annual report. We really start day one with an employee. Our uh, new employee orientation is a little bit longer than most companies. Uh, we try to make sure that they understand the unique um, experience that our customers or our members are going through in terms of being deployed, the separation that comes with that, the sacrifice. And so uh, really displaying empathy 
And we've built out our products and services to meet the needs of the military community. Again, uh, you uh, have a, a, a group of customers that are often a long way from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may have uh, uh, spouses that have to pick up and move every two to three years. Uh, the insurance needs that they have, the fact that they go in harm's way. We've built that financial services portfolio with unique features and benefits to to recognize them. But I will tell you that our employees uh, live and die the mission every day. Um, 35,000 employees, and it's been kind of a, a little bit of our secret sauce. It's just that idea of a brand with a purpose. And when we connect with um, uh, a member, we really believe that if we do what's right for that member, at the end of the day, the financials, the the business performance will will all come uh, into the right uh, frame because we've done the the right thing from the get go for the customer. Yep. And obviously, you know, as the chief brand officer, you're the one who's guiding that that brand with a value. Talk through the structure a little bit that you have as far as the interplay between marketing, PR, comms, you know, military affairs and whatnot, and how that ladders up into 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 your role of the brand officer. Yeah, so we recently kind of went through a reorganization uh, a couple months ago. I think it's been a really, really successful thing for us. We have put together our marketing function, which uh, you know does all the paid um, expression of our brand. We put corporate communications, which kind of does that earned uh, portion, corporate responsibility. And we have two foundations that have unique roles uh, that they play for our brands to connect with the the community, Uh, military affairs, because again, we deal a lot with the Department of Defense Mm -hmm. and installations and commands across the whole globe, in fact. And so they have a special role to advocate on our behalf. And then something recent that we just added, uh, Andrew, is we brought diversity and inclusion into the brand organization uh, to help tell that story and um, make sure that all of our employees can live up to their full potential, that we're communicating to our members uh, with a sense of um, understanding their unique experiences and needs, and then serving the communities in which we operate. So we really have, I I think, um, the best folks in the industry to help tell that brand story, to integrate it, to ensure that it resonates with um, our members and uh, prospects. It's unique, Andrew, in that we only have about 60 million addressable market that we can go talk to that have some type of military service. Mm -hmm. And at any given point in the US, Mm -hmm. only one half of 1% of the US population is actually serving, currently serving. So about two and a half million, but in term, and that's guard and reserve, but actively serving, it's a very, very small number. And so we have to be very, very targeted and focused with our message to to make sure that uh, we're hitting the right folks. Yeah, it's uh, we were discussing this when we were we were chatting earlier that it's a it's a very limited market in some ways, but you know exactly who you're working with and try, who you're trying to reach, which in some ways. It's got to feel a little bit restrictive, but also liberating at the same time because you know you know who you know who your buyer is, you know who you're trying to serve, you know who you're trying to bring in. Um, talk to me a little bit about um, how content does uh, play a role um, in communicating these brand value across those different um, uh, the structures that you mentioned earlier, whether it be DNI or PR, corp comms, marketing. Yeah, look, I think great brand work is really storytelling. 
with uh, data and insights to help you, you know, get smart about it. And so we are really, I think, uh, on a new journey uh, with our brand team at USA to find better ways to connect that storytelling. Each of the functions plays a, a unique and, and different role. But I really think for me, content's around a couple things. One, uh, folks that are out doing discovery, like they're just have a very high level concept of something that they want to learn more about. Uh, that discovery goes to research, which is much more intent around like, I want to know specifics, the who, when, where, how, why, to what extent type of questions that uh, your English teacher in high school uh, told you about. Then you go to the part where like, I'm ready to purchase or buy. And then you have kind of the usage advocacy retention kind of. And so I think content plays a role for all four of those phases. And I think the challenge for us is brand leaders, marketing leaders, communicators is to make sure that that message is delivered in a way that is receptive to the, to the, to the target is mindful of how they consume information and the journey. You know, I think a lot of us have grown up with the idea that there's a funnel and it's very linear, but I think we all know now that often in a purchase um, uh, process, I've seen data, you know, from Google and others that say there might be 12 or 13, 14 sources of information that a consumer will go discover and research before they start to make an actual purchase decision. And the question is just the sequence, the cadence and the, uh, and the messaging across all of those. Yeah, absolutely. And I would assume that retention is also, you mentioned a little bit there, is, is a big piece of, of what you guys focus on because you have that, um, that scope of kind of the ecosystem or the, 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 the world that you can go after. Um, you know, once you have people um, as members, retaining them is super important. Talk through a little bit about how you think about retention, like how well do you do at it, um, and maybe where content plays a role within that 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 relationship growth with the with the member. Yeah, look, I, I would say at USA retention is super important. I think if I had to make a knock on marketers or folks that are in the the marketing business, is mm-hmm. often there's just this really fanatical focus on acquisition and look that you, you want to feed the beast, so to speak. But I also think there is a tremendous amount of work that we can do as uh, a brand evangelists, as marketers to, to retain the customers or for us, the members that we get. So for us, uh, our retention is uh, in the nineties. So we're very, very blessed, but we're very deliberate around that in terms of our service delivery. When you're in the insurance business, when something goes bump in the night and how you respond to that, you know, pay what's due to that member, get that payment to them quickly, cause the disruption in their life to be as limited as possible. And in when you go through a, something like a hurricane or a tornado or a storm, it's already very traumatic to a member. And so the last thing you want to do is cause them additional pain or discomfort or, or trauma. So that that's really is the delivery of our service and we are very, very fanatical at tracking NPS, um, you know, net promoter score so that we can see the likelihood to recommend. Uh, we, we track overall satisfaction and then we track satisfaction by channel. And in all those content plays a role because for us, um, once a, a member comes to us and let's just say they start out with a, a savings account, we, our desire is to build more value for them. Um, uh, and deepen that relationship. And so 
we'll take an entry level product like auto or homeowners or renters and or a banking uh, checking account and look to expand that relationship. And we know that as we demonstrate to that member that we're worthy of their trust, which is so important in the financial services category, that we hope that we get um, a deeper relationship with them and that they bring more of their financial needs to us and that, you know, we can serve them in a manner that uh, is worthy of, uh, of, of their consideration. Yeah, for sure. I was just going to say that, you know, it mirrors my own experience where I, you know, started off with auto insurance and then, you know, people get a little bit older and then it's renter's insurance and then it's homeowner's insurance and life insurance and so on and so forth. And if you've built that trust early on, you have that ability to kind of continue to build uh, with those, those, those existing customers. And content is a great way of doing that because it's a way of having that value exchange between you as brand and how do you get your values to be known by the the, the customer when they're not always making a claim, right? Because, you know, I've been lucky. I've never had to make a claim. And so I haven't had that awful experience. But I have no doubt in my mind that because of the way that I've interacted with the brand that, you know, it, it would be things will be okay if something happened, you know? Yeah. It, it, and I, I would also say that uh, if you're a full service financial services brand like we are, and there's actually fewer and fewer uh, of those that are out there, but mm -hmm. we may start a relationship with a member like yourself uh, driving on their parents' policy. And then they may get their first uh, debit card when they go away to college. And and then they're you know uh, going to need a life insurance when they first get married. There's like these life events that happen and mm -hmm. content along the way, knowing that their needs are changing and in many cases, like the their understanding, because financial services just uh, it's a complicated uh, kind of category. Uh, it requires this idea of engagement, and um, what we know is that higher retention comes with uh, being able to deliver information and content that's trusted. And so that's that's super important for us as we look at a you know an arc of how a customer first comes to us all the way to their retirement uh, annuities. And, you know, um, retirement products. Thinking a little bit more tactically, uh, especially about the past, call it like six months or so, um, obviously brands have had to adapt um, very rapidly, um, make a lot of changes. Talk to us a little bit about how COVID has impacted uh, your team's roles and, and how they have adapted and adjusted and, and pivoted um, over the past six months. You know, a lot of brands... Um, it's it's been a it's been a challenge. I would say though that as an insurance company, we were maybe a little bit more uniquely prepared. Uh, mm -hmm. Our organization, so we have something called Uni uh, Unified Command Center. So all across the globe, we're looking at what's happening in terms of weather and uh, social unrest and just anything that would impact you as a property and casualty carrier. And so we were tracking a little bit about the pandemic and how it was evolving. And so we stood up our first. Uh, uh, what we call an uh, incident management team in mid-February. I think for a lot of brands, it started to get a little clearer in, in March, but we were a little mm -hmm. ahead of it. Mm -hmm. And so we really started leaning um, in heavily. You know, obviously the first thing you do is look at what you have deployed out in the marketplace. So those type of messages that might now seem a little irrelevant or mm -hmm. uh, not empathetic. So and I'll give you an example. You know, we had a life insurance campaign that was deployed at the at that time and paper products were just in short demand. Mm -hmm. And we actually had imagery of a mom and, and some children in the uh, in the kitchen talking around life insurance, you know, with the, 
you know, he- headline and copy. And they, she was holding this big thing of paper towels. And we were like, okay, um, <laughs> that image looked uh, appropriate in January and February. It yeah. is no longer because it's like, that's, a, you know, so we went through, optimized all of our channels, looked at everything we had deployed. And it was a really, really heavy lift for the team, especially pulling things back out of the, out of the marketplace is mm-hmm. often tough in terms of what do you replace them with? But that was a big focus. And then we went and looked at our, our, our media and, you know, cause obviously some mediums just weren't uh, being consumed. You look at out of home, for example, like people were kind of hunkered down and they were, they were not out, they were not out of home. <laughs> you know, nobody was out of home. And then you look at, you know, connected TV or, or streaming services and just how those blew up and people were just, uh, glued to, to, to streaming. So we, you know, went and looked at our media mix and, and made, you know, significant changes there. And then, uh, in about nine days, we had, we were the first in the insurance category to redeploy kind of what I would say COVID sensitive creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a spot in nine days with our uh, awesome creative team and our agency publicist. And we filmed it in uh, employees homes, like they did it themselves. And mm-hmm. we, we gave them the art direction and, and we pulled that together. And um, it's interesting just how brands are doing things at COVID speed, as I call them, yeah. because um, a lot of the silos and the apprehension and the concern you had pre-COVID have kind of gone away because, you know, you have uh, customer needs to uh, to uh, attend to. Yeah. And uh, talk to us a little bit about those customer needs. What sort of sensing do you guys utilize to figure out like what type of content you should be creating? What is the messaging that's going to work? Where is the pain points that people are feeling right now? Because obviously, in this day and age, they that pain point in that the the problems or the things that people are looking for answers for are shifting and adjusting on a daily basis sometimes like how do you maintain that agility to to keep that right messaging in the market yeah so we we're very fortunate we have a really strong research function we have lots of sensors we uh we call it instrumenting the business where we've put mm-hmm. uh sensors out to check satisfaction to hear what the feedback that our members are giving us what they have interest in what's concerning them and so one of the things that we did once covid hit was we actually increased the frequency of some of that and uh, expanded the type of research that we were looking to do. Some around the sentiment, like what was their outlook? Um, but then some was around like, hey, what pain are you experiencing? What are you worried about? And then that drove some of not only of our marketing message, but also getting that information back to our lines of business because we have a thousands of uh, MSRs, member service reps that are taking those phone calls that are answering those inquiries and just making sure that we could have the type of uh, information that was important to them. We also stood up what we had was a special kind of COVID-19 hub of content. Some of it was stuff that we developed. In some cases, we were referring members to third-party government resources. Uh, Some cases, we were uh, bringing in content from uh, other places that we thought could be impactful. So, really creating that and making sure it was very visible, uh, both on our homepage and our app, um, as people, uh, our members came to find out more information. Yeah, I mean, if you can be that trusted source of information for people in, in times of need, um, or uncertainty, um, it certainly goes a long way in, in, in building that trust factor. Can, can I say one more one more thing there, too, that's interesting? Yeah, of course. Often, like I said, as marketers, this acquisition mindset we had, what we knew at the same time was that 
our members were hurting. They had financial uh, needs that they were concerned about mm-hmm. being met. And so we changed all of our messaging to like the concept of here's how we can help. USAA is here to help. And so some of that messaging was around, hey, we're going to allow you to extend your payments. We're going to allow for mortgage mm-hmm. forbearance. Here's how. And we put that into our actual outbound messaging and included some of that of things we were doing just to help the larger uh, communities in which we operate. So around uh, philanthropic donations that we had had. And um, anyway, crafting the message to be mindful of the mindset and again, letting people on those, especially the TV, the art card that we put at the end had this uh, specific URL where we have built out that hub for additional and what we think deeper information around how to support you uh, during the COVID Mm -hmm. pandemic. And correct me if I'm wrong, you actually sent money back to people too, right? Yeah. So, you know, I would say 45 out of the last 46 years, we've given some type of dividend to to, to some of our members. And, And I think what we realized here is that we saw the immediate financial impact of folks, you know, not driving, like our, our claim volume just sure. went down dramatically. And so rather than take that to the bottom line, which, you know, a company could do, again, our job is to ensure the financial security of our members. And so that's very unique for us that we're not a public company where, you know, we don't necessarily answer to the street, we answer to our members. And so the fact that those um, dollars or that revenue was not needed to meet the claims of the wider association membership. We felt comfortable giving it back. And so we did that over the last couple of months. We had three separate, um, return. Uh, mm-hmm. we did it through a rebate. So it was a statement credit, but, uh, I can't tell you how many members gave us really positive feedback just of like, Hey, that 50, that 80, that hundred dollars back. Just it, it's symbolic in many respects. But it also is is mindful of just uh, what they're going through in this, uh, you know, yeah, hundred percent critical time. The other thing you mentioned earlier when you're talking about the, um, the the structure of your organization, you, you mentioned diversity and inclusion, um, and obviously that's another um, uh, uh, point that's just under increased um, visibility um, and importance these days. Talk a little bit about the DNI initiatives at USAA and what does it mean to have that under the same umbrella as marketing, comms, PRs, and so on? Yeah, it's a little bit, of, I would say, of a unique structure. Uh, I think when we were doing some due diligence on this, you know, we found 70, 75% of the time that DI, DNI function is in the mm-hmm. HR uh, space. Some other time, 10, 15%, it's in um, mm-hmm. legal. And then the remaining, it may be in the marketing or brand organization. And so um, we really thought that this was a place to um, rejuvenate our efforts. Uh, we, we've worked hard at it, but one of the things that I think was interesting that as, as we looked at the opportunity was that DNI really crosses a number of different stakeholders. It impacts your employees, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of the bullseye, but it also impacts your members or, or your prospects that you're trying to talk to, but also the communities that you operate in as a corporate citizen. And so, What's unique about the brand organization is that we, on a daily basis, engage with all those different stakeholder groups. So, yeah, and the employees, the employee section is always, I feel like, completely underutilized in that umbrella, and it, it, it's so important, you know. It and, and it is, and and so, uh, and again, we're still maintaining a strong partnership with HR, 
But our ability to tell the DNI story and uh, its importance to us as a brand, one of the things we did going into 2021, and we're in the process now, is um, we made it a strategic imperative. So across all our lines of business and functions, they uh, it's something strategically that they are being asked to address and answer. And so that's very, very unique. And so really allowing us to accelerate our uh, opportunity to, to make a lasting impact here. I do think, Andrew, at the end of the day, um, what our CEO has really been preaching, uh, Wayne Peacock, is that, hey, every employee wants to come to work and feel uh, mm-hmm. included, loved, belong, mm-hmm. you know, like they belong here. And then the second thing is they want to be able to come and do great work and live and achieve their full potential. And when you don't have a really good approach to DNI, you find that neither one of those are, are always true. And so uh, at USA, we've been having a lot of very, I think, what I would call courageous conversations. Uh, we've leaned in heavy. I think one of the roles of a brand team is to be kind of the ethos or the consciousness of, of the brand. And so we've been really leading our other brothers and sisters from across functions uh, in this. And so uh, we um, even m- most recently revamped kind of our CEO uh, DNI council. We had that first meeting today and um, really, really excited to kind of continue on this journey. And um, it, it's just, like I said, it's an exciting time. I think uh, there's a lot of, I think, trepidation because everybody doesn't know what to expect. And there's folks that are fearful, those that are concerned, those that are hurt. And um, I've just said to folks in, in our conversations, um, impact, intent, and grace. Those are the, the words I use. Impact, just that your words, right or wrong, often impact folks that um, in a way that you never maybe mm-hmm. wanted to, either good or bad, uh, to and your intent, which is like, hey, as we have these conversations, um, if everyone's coming to the table with good intent, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. And the last one's grace, which is, hey, I may say this in a way that may not sit right with you, but give me a little forgiveness uh, in order that we can have the conversation and dialogue. And I think that's What's um, missing in today's world is this idea of, of dialogue and and uh, tying it back to our military community. The, the military community has just led the way in terms of diversity. Um, and you could argue that they need still a lot of work to be done mm-hmm. in terms of inclusiveness. But the military has led the way. And as we talk to military um, leaders and communities, we know that this is very front and center in their mind, too. So we, we want to make sure we're right there with them to to, yeah, to I, I really like that idea of impact, intent, and grace. Uh, I think grace is actually probably the most important one because I think that is true that um, you know people just don't listen um, very well, and I think that the uh, the the more that you listen and recognize that people that make, make mistakes and some people say things the wrong way, that if the intent was there and they had always and have uh, positive intent, then that goes a long way in, in making any organization function better, whether it's the military or a company. Um, last question I wanted to get to, and I think it's interesting is that the structure that you have built at, uh, USAA with your role being as a chief brand officer and having what you look over, I truly do think that it is the way of the future, um, for a lot of brands, um, as brands need to become more empathetic. They need to serve their members and their customers in, 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 in new and, um, very personal ways. And I think that people in general want to have those greater connections with brands as opposed to 
oh, that's just, you know, that's my just my insurance company. I just send them my check every month or something like that. When you think about the structure, like what are the skills um, that uh, a chief brand officer needs now? And um, how do you think that's going to evolve over the next six, 12 months, year, two years, three years as we go into the future? Great question. Look, we have about 700 folks on our team that get up every day looking to do great work to, to accomplish our mission. And so a vast majority, I think, of my time, or if you're in a brand role like mine, is to, to um, clear, <laughs> clear the area of operations. So I can use some military terminology. Um, and we actually spent the last 60 days uh, a lot of time just thinking through this whole process yeah. around decisioning and decision matrix. Like, um, I want to create as wide a playing field as possible so that our team can maneuver to get from point A to B in terms of campaign or annual business plan, whatever, and let them know the decisions that they can make on their own independently and don't need to consult kind of higher headquarters, yeah. again, to use a military analogy, like move quickly. And there's this term that I've been using with my team that's uh, originally um, from the Air Force. And then when I was in the Marines, we used it, which is kind of this OODA loop, which is observe, orient, decide, and act. And I think to the degree that the speed of the more rotations and revolutions you can make, the better. Speed kind of does matter. And I think we're finding that out in, uh, in, in COVID to a large degree. So again, answering your question, part of my job is just to, uh, um, give my team the best tools, resources, and support as possible clear obstacles so that they can go get their their job done. I think when you start to talk about skills of the future, I think a little bit of this is around, look, we know um, branding marketing is around storytelling with data and insights. That's just my my belief. I think often creative, uh, the creative element is underestimated. And I think what happened is marketing used to be around, you know, Mad Men, you know, yeah. like, oh, we're just going to make great spots. And then we kind of like often happens we over rotate it toward like it's all about the data. But I actually think there's a lot of research out there that says creative is often 50 percent of of the effectiveness of something. So just driving creative thinking and concepting and 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 unifying that that message, because there's so many messages out in the marketplace. And then, like I said, connecting it with. Uh, data and insights that allow you to to be more effective, right message, right time, right channel, right person. And um, I, I'm I've never been more excited uh, as a as a brand person or as a marketer because um, there used to be that old adage that hey, fifty percent of my marketing uh, isn't working. The problem is I just yep. don't know what fifty percent. And I think what's happening with data now and digital is that we're answering a lot of those questions and being able to kind of connect the dots especially for folks like the business owners and the CFO who are asking, okay, we're spending a lot. Like, what are we? Yeah, what are we getting? for sure. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. And um, I, I, I am a fan personally of the Oda loop. Um, I, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's look it up on the internet, but it's basically OODA loop, uh, observe, orient, decide, act. Um, and it's a great way of just breaking down decisions um, that sometimes can seem really big and insurmountable into smaller bite size. Like, hey, what's going on? How am I orienting against it? What's my decision? And then you make that action. And I think that um, if anything that we've seen in, in COVID times, and you, you talked about it earlier, is you have to be able to pivot. You have to make, be able to make those fast decisions, but you have to empower people to do that. And if you don't do that as a leader, 
then you're going to sit there and you're going to lose all your hair and, 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 and go crazy because you can't do it all yourself. You know, I, I think that's a huge learning lesson from COVID for a lot of brands is like, I think no one would have ever tried that experiment before. Like, okay, let's just push decision making down. So you had no choice. Like we had to recraft our message in nine days. Otherwise we're sitting out there with a message that just yep. is totally not relevant and it's certainly not going to resonate with folks. So it, uh, I think it demonstrated and proved to a lot of folks that there's value in this uh, and freedom. And, you know, and it comes with accountability, which is like, hey, part of accountability could be a negative word, like, oh, I'm going to hold you accountable. The other part can be actually uh, quite empowering. Yeah, like, you're accountable. Hey, I'm you accountable. I'm the D. Like, you yeah. know, I'm like Michael Jordan, <laughs> you know, there's five seconds left on the clock. Yeah. Give me the ball. I, I, I'll bring us home. So I think all of that kind of is uh, is lessons learned during you know, d- yeah, no, for sure. Uh, good Michael Jordan analogy too. I'm sure everyone watched. Uh, oh God, what was the name of the documentary? Now we've lost that. The, the, uh, uh, no, the last, last dance. The last, last, last dance. Chapter? Last dance. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. That 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 was a great that was a great series. And uh, you know, it's funny. You just um, you know, kind of behind the scenes, uh, look behind the curtain on uh, what drove that team to be so successful. And just yeah, and it's funny the 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 whole idea of like, well, it's five seconds left. We know who's getting the ball. Just like let them go. You know, it doesn't um, matter. You're still not stopping. Them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think that that's like the way that if you empower em- employees and make them feel that way, be like, hey, it's five seconds left. You're getting the ball. Like you're gonna score. You know, um, you know, it goes a long way. So. Anyways, uh, this has been a really great conversation, Tony. I really appreciate it. Um, like I said, I've always been a fan of USAA, which is a weird thing to say about an insurance company, but it happened. Well, no, uh, so. and you're a member, so I want to thank you for your membership. So uh. <laughs> thank you, appreciate that. But I also think that uh, you know the listeners will take a lot from this this conversation. Um, a lot of good points from the tactical all the way up to the to the big picture. So uh, thank you, appreciate it. No, no, and I I just want to say to all the folks that do brand work or marketing comms. Uh, diversity, inclusion, just whatever your role is. And um, I I think it's very easy in today's time to get really uh, to view things negative with what's happening in our world and pandemic. And I just uh, we say at USA sometimes is um, Stockdale paradox. Uh, So Stockdale was a prisoner of war. And um, one of the things that we often say is like you have to confront the reality of your situation, how dire it may be. But at the same time, you have to believe that tomorrow is going to be a better day and that you can live and push through it. And so um, we have an unbelievable responsibility as a as a brand organization at USA to help tell our story, to make sure that our members understand that um, we're with them and that we're empathetic. And so I just think it's uh, it's never uh, been a more important time to to be in business and be able to make an impact. And at the same time, we have so many of our institutions in the, in America that are questioned whether they're trustful and everything. And I think there's a, a role for business to play on that to uh, to be good corporate citizens, help point the way, and uh, and and be a source of uh, of uh, support for our our society. So anyway, look. A little public service announcement there. No, and I, I appreciate it. I think it, we all we all feel it, um, and I think that um, what you and the team are doing are, is a model for for other companies, whether they be financial services or, or otherwise, of w- what that role is in society um, moving forward, which is great. So, thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. Um, and thank you. Uh, hopefully, we'll talk again sometime soon. All right. Have all a right. great weekend. Thanks for listening. 
That was Tony Wells, the chief brand officer of USAA. Tony does a tremendous job of providing USAA's members with helpful content throughout the funnel and crafting marketing to be mindful of their mindsets. He understands situations surrounding insurance can already be overflowing with emotion, so he and his team are there to provide information and assistance. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you have any suggestions or feedback, you can find me at ray at notch.com. See you next time.